Today, chaos at the southern border as Title 42 is set to expire. Trump's greatest moments in the CNN town hall and a presidential candidate suggests raising the voting age. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez and we are mere hours away from the expiration of Title 42 and the dams are already starting to break. Newly leaked documents show Border Patrol agents were ordered yesterday to release migrants from custody in mass if their average time in custody had exceeded 60 hours, if 7,000 migrants were taken into custody across the border in just one day, or if the facilities reach 125 percent capacity. Now, these migrants are then being released into the country with no court date, no way the U.S. can track them, but given instructions to appear at an immigration office within 60 days. What could possibly go wrong? Now, reports earlier this week indicated that there could be as many as 700,000 to 1 million migrants just waiting until midnight to swarm the border. But many are trying to get across now before Title 42's replacement Title 8 is reinstated, which imposes immigration and criminal consequences for those who cross the border illegally, including final orders of removal, deportation, a five-year ban on reentry, and possible criminal prosecution for those who attempt to reenter. Illegal immigrants were seen last night flooding through the border into Yuma, Arizona, where they were processed by Border Patrol and released into the country. In fact, according to DHS officials, the U.S. hit a new record on Tuesday, processing more than 11,000 migrants and releasing the majority of them right on into the country. Now, Texas Governor Greg Abbott finally decided to get serious about the border, deploying Texas National Guard troops who laid out razor wire to prevent immigrants from walking right on through. They were also given permission to use non-lethal force to anyone attempting to pass. Now, I'm sure you're very shocked to hear that that was even necessary after DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas' insistence that the border is secure. Now, all of this comes as the House GOP has just passed the Secure the Border Act, which Speaker McCarthy says would be the strongest border security bill in the history of our country. But Joe Biden has already announced he would veto the bill. Why would he veto a bill to strengthen the security of our country and protect both Americans and the migrants currently enticed to make the dangerous journey? Here to help me break this down is one of the only members of Congress with a spine, Congressman Chip Roy. Congressman, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm sure you're in touch with officials down at the border. How can you tell me, like, how bad is it down there right now? Yeah, perfect question. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's worse than anybody in the country really even knows, despite all the constant footage from Fox News, despite uh, a decent amount of coverage. The fact is, when you talk to the guys and gals on the ground, uh, they're giving us direct feedback. You know, one one of the guys on the ground texted me and said, "We're basically at a broken arrow situation. That they've lost complete control. Uh, that they're, you know, facilities that they have are overflowing. We've gotten reports today that they are now releasing people in the United States without even a date uh, for a notice to appear to come back, uh, just with a promise to come back. Generally, of course, that's ridiculous. Um, and you know, we've got guys on the ground just basically using phrases like, you know, we got our." rear ends handed to us and they're, they're not using that language uh and um it look they're feeling to the place where they think they've really totally lost control for the last three years it's been building uh this has been coming under this administration but the fact is now um texas america and we're, we're under siege and it's a real problem yeah, so uh, to that point, you guys just passed in the House, you just passed this Secure the Border bill, um, which I feel like would 
solve much of this crisis. But um, I don't what are the chances of it even passing the Senate? And if, even if it does, Joe Biden has already threatened to veto it. I, I just help me understand what possible reason they can give for seeing what's going on right now. And they're not just seeing, uh, you know, people from El Salvador, people from uh, Guatemala, people from Mexico. I mean, they're seeing people from Somalia, people from Africa, Russians. They are seeing Haitians. I I saw a video earlier of 15,000 Haitians, 50 miles upstream, walking towards the border. What possible reason could the Democrats give right now for refusing to protect our border? Well, the reasons are completely uh, ludicrous and unacceptable. Um, The fact is they believe in a new liberal world order, right? As our own deputy press secretary said, I think a year or two ago, they don't believe in sovereignty. They don't believe in American exceptionalism. They believe that we should have wide open borders. Uh, And they certainly don't believe that we should enforce the law. They think these uh, exceptions to our general law or general rule of maintaining operational control of the border, they think the asylum exception or parole exception should be the rule. So they can just let anybody into the country. And the fact is that endangers Americans. It endangers migrants. 856 dead migrants found last year along the southern border. Uh, 53 who were killed in a tractor trailer in San Antonio uh, because of the Texas heat. The 72,000 dead Americans were fentanyl poisoning, thousands of whom are dead specifically because our borders are wide open and fentanyl is pouring into our country. China is sending the printing presses to the cartels in Mexico who are empowered because of all the money flowing to move human beings for profit. That is the reality of your border. This administration knows it and they don't care. They'd like it to break down. They'd like it to become chaos because for them, this is about something longer and bigger and different than the current moment of the rule of law. Mm. So we're going to fight back H.R. 2. We just passed it off the House floor. It's a great bill. The strongest border security bill that we have ever moved off of the House floor, period. End of story. Now, you ask the question, what happens in the Senate? Mm -hmm. Of course, Chuck Schumer doesn't want to bring it up. The only way it's going to come up is if we use leverage. The only way we're going to use leverage is if we use the debt ceiling or the power of the purse for the government spending. Why should we give any government funding? Why should, frankly, at this point, we even agree to a debt ceiling increase if we don't force the administration to accept this legislation, sign it in order to do so? This is the moment when we have to use our spine. Republicans came together to do this. But my message to my Republican colleagues, it's now game time. Game time means you're not going to blink. I'm not going to blink. We need to get something done here, and we should use this moment to make it happen. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, And I hope, look, I just, I don't mean to be cynical, okay, Congressman, but it's just that you are one of the few that has the spine um, to actually stand up and do something. It just feels like there are just so many squishy people around you. Um, But I, I just, I want you to speak to, Um, Because I think that Americans often we get caught up in this compassionate conversation and it's a debate about who is the compassionate party. The people who want to turn away illegal immigrants just looking for a better life, which you and I know is oftentimes not the case at all. Um, Or the people who are saying, yes, come in, come in, come in. But the, the fact of the matter is. We can only sustain so many people in this country. We can only sustain so much economic resources for people coming into this country. How long, I I fear 
that the economic repercussions of this are already set into motion. So I guess my question to you is, how long is this going to be a drain on our society? Because it, it just feels like it's just a never-ending repercussion that we're about to have unless we figure out a way to get all of these people, grab them, round them up, and send them back, which I don't see happening. Yeah, well, two issues you raised. The first one that's most important is the extent to which this is harming human beings. Mm -hmm. Like, we're all people who want to secure the border because we think it's good for our country, sovereignty, and security, but also for the migrants who seek to come here. But this, there are little girls getting sold into the sex trafficking trade as we speak. They're sitting in a stash house. They're getting abused. Cartels are making money. Migrants are dying. They're dying in the heat. And we're destroying the Western Hemisphere. A lot of these countries are saying, gosh, we're losing a lot of our labor. And of course, you and I would say, well, then get your crap together. But we have an obligation to have a stronger Western Hemisphere, like a new, for example, Monroe Doctrine for the 21st century, push China out, expand the zone in the Western Hemisphere to make sure we're exporting the rule of law rather than importing lawlessness and fentanyl and danger. Stand up for people. We do have an obligation to do that for ourselves, and we can do it. But look, the other piece to this you know, situation is the only thing between you know, the current chaos and insanity and security and sanity is the probably roughly 11 Democrats you need or independents in the Senate mm. to move something through to get 60 and the president of the United States. So you essentially have 12 human beings in this country standing between security, common sense, uh, you know, making sure people are safe and following the rule of law, making people's lives better and the total chaos, danger, insanity, death, and despair of the moment. 12 people, that's what I want them to think about tonight when they're sleeping at night. The Democrats in the Senate, the independents in the Senate, and the President of the United States, when you go to sleep at night, ex explain, explain in your prayers to the Almighty how you can stand by and allow this to continue to happen because it's on you, you're the difference. So to, to that point, um, I, I want to get your reaction to this. Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration yeah. Studies, he's been down on the ground in Mexico, as you know, for the last several weeks documenting what's going on. And he wrote this incredible report. He started noticing this pattern of Mexican immigration officials holding off the migrants crossing until they received a signal of some sort. So he started asking questions and he was told by Mexican immigration officials that our Department of Homeland Security is coordinating directly with Mexico through an encrypted WhatsApp channel where they are telling Mexican immigration officers when to send the next round of migrants through so that they can all be processed and released into the countries. Like, our, our own officials are colluding with Mexico to institute a controlled flow entry for illegal immigrants. It, how is this possible? Like, what country am I living in? Yeah, you're living in essentially now a corrupt, tyrannical, uh, you know, uh, almost, you know, oligarchy, if you want to look at who's actually running the White House, given the fact that Joe Biden doesn't even know where he is. You've got a bunch of radical leftists who, you know, had all their fun in their little, you know, groups in Yale and Harvard. Now they're in the White House social engineering experiment, pushing their woke diversity, critical race theory nonsense, and now trying to remake America with wide open borders, undermining freedom, security, and the well-being of migrants using them as political pawns. That's the reality. But here, here's something that needs to be said. Republicans own this too. For 20 years, Republicans have been sitting around placating the Chamber of Commerce, doing all of their normal talking points, saying, hey, you need jobs. We want cheap labor. They were down at the Rio Grande with a, you know, uh, you know, no trespassing sign while wink, wink, nod, nod, saying, hey, jobs wanted over here. Um, that's the Republican Party that for too long has been in control. Mm -hmm. 
Now we're changing the game in D.C. And we're going to actually push back and fight for the everyday, hardworking, blue-collar, you know, uh, middle-class American who's just tired of getting screwed by corporate America and a big government who doesn't give a rat's rear end about them and only cares about padding their bottom line. Whether it's the healthcare industry, whether it's all of these vaccines that are mandated and then enriching a handful of companies, whether it's the stupid tax credits in the so-called Inflation Reduction Act enriching you know, a handful of, of uh, you know, wealthy people, you know, the billion dollar corporations getting those tax credits, uh, all undermining our grid and security for some unicorn energy, you know, climate fetish. That's the reality of this government. They don't care about the rule of law. They don't care about separation of powers. They don't care about human beings. They just want power. And we've got to fight back. Uh, at least as hard as they're fighting us. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I want to I want to switch gears here while I have you, and I want to ask you about uh, the this whistleblower that has been giving the uh, one of your House committees information on a criminal scheme involving Joe Biden. We just we covered the press conference yesterday, but today the FBI has refused to hand over uh, the bureau form, the FD 1023, that would allegedly, according to this whistleblower, describe a criminal scheme involving then Vice President Joe Biden and they say an unnamed foreign national. So they they're not complying with the subpoena now. What, what happens next? Are we, are we going to be able to hold Joe Biden accountable for what seems to be pretty serious crimes? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, credit to the Oversight Committee led by Jamie Comer for all the great work they're doing, uh, highlighting for the American people the, you know, just rampant corruption clearly, uh, you know, undertaken by Hunter Biden and, uh, you know, certainly seemingly in deep, you know, connections in and around the Biden family broadly. Uh, and, you know, the FBI, like, this is a situation normal. I mean, they'd rather make a terrorist out of Scott Smith, a domestic terrorist, so-called, uh, because he defended his daughter in a public school than try to figure out and find the truth in a criminal, a potential alleged criminal conspiracy uh, and seek the truth that way. But here, here again, let me just say something to my Republican colleagues. Mm -hmm. The power of the purse matters. Don't blink. Don't go cry in the corner and curl up in a ball when they say government shutdown or default on the debt. Stand up and use your power to force these clowns to bow down to the will of the people in defense of the Constitution of the Republic, that you go around in your parades on July 4th and on Memorial Day and Veterans Day, patting yourself on the back for loving the country, talking about the Declaration of Independence, shut your pie hole and use the powers that you have to actually force the executive branch to do what they're supposed to do. You do that, you do it now, you don't give money to the FBI, you tell the FBI you're not getting a damn dollar for your new headquarters. You're not getting a dollar unless you do what we tell you to do when we subpoena the information. Because we're Congress, you're the executive branch, we're Article 1, you're Article 2, you're screwing up our country, you're not securing our border, and you're making a mockery of the Constitution. That's what we should do. Mm. We so appreciate you being there. I just, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate it. I, I want to share a very quick story um, with you. So you were at a, an event, and um, are you still with us? Uh, I am. Hang on a second. Okay. I was trying to uh, well, I'm going to tell you. So you were you were at an event, and it was a it was like a VIP gala, and my husband and I saw you, and you know everyone was dressed nicely, and you were as well. But you walked into the event holding a Bucky's uh, to go drink cup, <laughs> and that's when I was like, "This is a man of the people. This is the this is the guy. He's exactly who he says he is." And I know that you are one of us just from the Bucky's cup. 
Well, look, you know, uh, we we love. Hang on a second, somebody keeps chiming in. Uh, we uh, we love uh, Bucky's in Texas. It's uh, you know one of the great exports we have. My good friend Governor Ron DeSantis down in Florida loves Bucky's, and I was doing a Zoom with him the other day, and I had my Bucky's cup, and he was very jealous because we have so many of those places in Texas. But look, uh, we've got to stand up for the people. You guys sent me here. I never understand why people think, oh my God, I might not get reelected. It's like, wait, worst case scenario. I get to go back to Texas and be with my family instead of coming to the swamp. That's the worst case scenario if everything goes wrong. Right. right. So why don't you actually take this job for a spin and do what you think is right? Yeah, exactly. Well, we appreciate you so much, Congressman. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. God bless. Take care. All right. We uh, will be right back with more, but we want to first thank our sponsor, Bank on Yourself. So if you've been given bad advice about your retirement savings, maybe you were told to max out your 401k. uh, Well, let me tell you, the Wall Street Casino loves to roll the dice with your hard-earned life savings. But the only thing Wall Street guarantees is that they always get paid whether you win or lose. That is why you need to try Bank on Yourself. It's a better way to grow your nest egg, and it's going to be a guaranteed and predictable way to grow your hard-earned money. It's a retirement plan alternative that's going to give you 100% control of your money plus tax-free income in retirement You really, really need to try it. Just go talk to them, okay? Your plan's not going to go backward when the markets tumble. Your principal and growth are locked in. Tax-free retirement income. You know what your tax rate will be in retirement. Zero under current tax law. It's going to protect you from the coming tax tsunami. You're going to be in control. you got to listen to them. I, I, I read the report. They told me how they did it, and I was... Amazed. I was floored. I had no idea that you could have a retirement plan alternative like this. You guys really need to go get a report. Let them show you the details of how Bank on Yourself strategy adds guarantees, predictability, and tax-free retirement income. You can go to bankonyourself.com slash matters. That is bankonyourself.com slash matters. I want to welcome to the show Stu Bergier, host of Stu Does America, as well as uh, his first time on the program, Rick Lockery. He is the chairman of the Young Republicans Club. Thanks for being here. I will. Thank you. How nervous are you? Not at all. You doing good? No, you're you great. Steady hand? <laughs> I'm good. You ready? I'm all, it's all about the hat today. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. He did. He, con- he came in and complimented my hat. So he's immediately my new favorite uh Guest. We're best friends. We aren't best friends now. I liked it first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I want to get into this this, uh, CNN town hall that Donald Trump was at yesterday. And I think, actually, Stu, last time you were on the show, I think, we talked about he had just said that he, he had just agreed to do it. Okay. And we talked about how it seemed like a weird decision for both parties, because if you're CNN and you're constantly talking about how this guy is spreading misinformation and lies, um, why would you you want him to be deplatformed forever from Twitter? Why would you then platform him? And for Donald Trump, it was like, why would you go to the network who hates you and give them the ratings rather than a friendlier outlet? So. It seemed to be a very weird decision on both parts, but um, it was really lovely to watch. I got to tell you, it was just it it went exactly how we thought that it would, or at least I thought that it would. I'll get y'all's takes in a second. And it really was. I mean, I was it was like I was right back in, you know, uh, 2019, 2020, watching these debates, even 2016, watching Donald Trump at his greatest. Maybe some would say his worst. I think it's great. Um, But I want to play a couple clips from this town hall. So first, I want to go to um, I believe this was towards the beginning, if not the very beginning 
of the town hall and Caitlin Collins asked Donald Trump uh, about election fraud um, and about his claims about election fraud. So he started talking about election fraud. Then he was asked, will you stop talking about election <laughs> fraud, even though they were the ones who brought that conversation up? I want to play uh, that clip. Watch. Will you suspend polarizing talk of election fraud during your run for president? Yeah, unless I see election fraud. If I see election <laughs> fraud, I think I have an obligation to say it. And you know what we went through uh, a short while ago has really put our country in a big problem. Still. Uh, <laughs> a totally bizarre situation from beginning to end. I think you laid it out well. I mean, I, you know, it's funny that CNN would allow this to happen. Uh, you know, they they made this big rule about how they were going to have no election deniers on the air anymore just I mean, you know, on a year ago, yeah. a year and a half ago. Uh, and then here he is uh, on, on TV. Now, they had the chief election denier. Right. Like he, yeah. I mean, and he would admit that. He, he right. wore that proudly. Right. Uh, he wouldn't like the denier part of it. But he, he does like the, you know, he, he does not shy away from this stuff. Mm -hmm. This is what he believes. And, you know, like, I think that the, the central part of this is why this is such a weird event is that, like, these are not questions that anyone who's voting in a Republican primary care about. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only question that came about the election was a guy saying, please stop talking about the election, right? <laughs> like, this is a, an event designed for people who are watching CNN, not a designed for people who actually need to make this decision, which is an important one, whether you want Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or somebody else. And they, they, they threw all these people in this room with a bunch of people who seemed to really like Trump in the audience, and it wound up being like he was just playing off the crowd. Yeah. You know, he was able to work the room really well. There's just no, there was no winning, I don't think, for Caitlin Collins in this in this uh, venue. And I don't think there's any winning for CNN. The only win here for CNN is, of course, that the ratings, they get the ratings boost. I think that they like the idea that Donald Trump's going to be the Republican nominee. So mm -hmm. they, uh, they get to maybe emphasize his role in the party a little bit. But it was a very weird night. I don't, I don't know. That, I mean, look, Donald Trump on television, a lot of times there's fireworks, and we had plenty of them last night. I want to, um, Rick, I want to get your your thoughts here. I want to play another clip to throw into them. We just have so many. I want to make sure that we get to them. I want to play uh, Trump. I think this is a really, really good moment for him. Stu, you mentioned this is a very friendly crowd towards Trump. And um, when they were talking about inflation, and he mentioned one of the, the first thing that he would do to reduce inflation was drill baby drill i want to play that exchange watch if elected president again what is the first thing you would do to help bring down the cost to make things more affordable drill baby drill so we were energy independent we were soon going to be energy dominant and nobody had ever done what I did. We got oil down to $1.87. Actually, it fell lower than that in some cases. We had to save the oil companies the, the price was getting. So we were doing incredibly. We had the greatest economy in the history of our country, probably the greatest economy in the history of the world. We we're energy independent, soon to be energy dominant. We were going to be bigger than Russia and Saudi Arabia put together times two. We have more liquid gold under our feet than any other nation, any other nation. And these stupid fools ended it. <laughs> Your thoughts? You know, I was nervous going into last night. Yeah. He hit it out of the park. Yeah. Like full home run, grand slam. I was so impressed. This was Donald Trump the way we remember him from 2016, 2017. And I just felt hopeful again 
because mm -hmm. Trump will be the nominee. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that right yeah. now. Um, and things can change over the right. course of the next year, but the way he set himself up last night, I mean, this is game on. Yeah. And he's ready to take on Joe Biden again. And I, just the way he's handling himself now, it's, it just feels like there's energy again and that uh, the possibility of taking back the White House is real. Mm -hmm. um, and now he's talking about issues again, right. like real issues. Drill, baby, drill. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so on that, on that point, I thought that one of his other, it's interesting, it's a very obviously divisive subject, but for me, if you're talking to Republican voters, I thought that perhaps one of his strongest moments, if not the strongest moment, was his uh, comments on the Ukraine war, which, of course, Caitlin Collins was just horrified that he would say I, that she blatantly, like, do you want Ukraine to win? Do you, you mean you don't want Ukraine to win? But I think he said what most Republicans, at least, and I would hope the average American, if they're paying attention, was thinking, watch. Do you want Ukraine to win this war? Uh, I don't think in terms of winning and losing. I think in terms of getting it settled so we stop killing all these people and breaking down this, this country. Now, what do you, can I just follow up on that? You said you don't think you in have terms to do of winning is you have and losing. To get the, you have Mr. To President, get can Europe. I just follow up on that? Because that's a really important Excuse statement me, let me that just you just made up. there. Can you say if you want Ukraine or Russia to win this war? I want everybody to stop dying. They're dying, Russians and Ukrainians. I want them to stop dying. And I'll have that done. I'll have that done in 24 hours. I'll have it done. <laughs> Within 24 hours. Uh, I, like, he literally broke her brain by saying what I think is a very reasonable position, which is none of y'all cared about this conflict up until five minutes ago when it was the latest virtue signal. And now all of a sudden we have to pick a side who wins and who loses. Can we just say like, maybe we could just help negotiate it? Wouldn't that be a better solution? Yeah, maybe we don't puppeteer every world event. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe we don't fight proxy idea. wars, you yeah, know? Yeah, I know. I mean, like, look, this of course, was, had been bubbling up for a very long time. But I mean, in 2014, when Obama was president, yep. we had the Crimea situation and they had no interest in Ukraine winning that. They just wanted to give Obama an out on the politics of it. Look, I think, you know, it's, you know, if he was like, you know what, Abs actually, I want Russia to win and Russia must win and I love Vladimir Putin, I think we'd all have a problem with that. But like our interests are our interests. That is an important part of certainly Trump's uh, foreign policy, but it should be every American's foreign policy. You know, America First is like a slogan and it's been used by some crazy groups back in the day. But the principle is obvious. Like, of course, that's how we're supposed to be making decisions. We're supposed to be thinking about what's best for us. And look, Vladimir Putin rolling all over Europe is not best for us. However, us dumping hundreds of billions of dollars seemingly every two weeks into Ukraine, uh, most of which is probably getting wasted and, and lost in corruption, is not a good solution either. The thing being over is what will really benefit the United States uh, and I think the rest of the world as well. I, you know, like I sympathize with people in Ukraine who are like, hey, wait a minute, that was part of our country two weeks ago. Shouldn't we get it back? I believe if we were in that situation, Someone rolled across our borders. We would say, no, we're not giving them New Mexico. No, that's ours. I understand why they want to fight for that. That does not mean we need to be involved in every inch of that land. I want, I agree with the president here. Uh, I want this over and I want to find the fastest path to get it over. Yeah, your thoughts. He's a smart man. 45 is a smart man. Look, diplomatically, China is setting himself, themselves up as the peacemaker here. Yeah. 
they're the ones coming in and they're the friends of Russia, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Trump can come in as, an, as the newly elected number 47 and say, look, I didn't pick a side, I can be the deal maker here. And he's, he's the king of deals. Right. He'll come in and look, our allies know the United States stands with them. That's not gonna change. We're not gonna let Russia roll all over the Ukraine. But Trump will be able to come in, and like you said, within 24 hours, finish this, yeah. and then we won't have to keep dumping money into the Ukraine over the next decade. Right. Maybe a little aggressive, 24 hours. Maybe yeah. 36. I think 36 think? hours is more, is more realistic. He's, he's exaggerating a bit. Would you, would you give him grace if it was 48? Well, look, it's a campaign promise now. And if you can't get it done in 24, <laughs> it's a big failure on PolitiFact. Um, so I want to play a couple fun moments here. So, uh, you know, because Trump needed to, he had to go full Trump a little bit and uh, show us what we were missing so much when he was deplatformed from the entire world for a while, except for Truth Social. So um, I want to play Trump. Caitlin Collins, I felt like, I don't know how you guys feel. I thought she was very condescending. I didn't like the way in which she conducted herself where he would say something and she would try to, uh, you know, say, well, that, well, that's actually not true, but we're going to move on, you know, and not give him a chance to just say what he wanted to say and move on. But um, I, I want to play Trump finally having enough and uh, trying to answer a question and then just saying you're a nasty person, which is just a Trump signature touch watch. Joe Biden didn't ignore a subpoena to get those documents back like Joe you Biden did. And took so that's the question. Boxes. But that's the question that investigators have, I think, is why you held on to those documents when you knew the federal government was seeking them and then had given you a subpoena to return them. Are you them. ready? Are you ready? Can I talk? Yeah, what's you the mind? answer? <laughs> Can I, do you mind? I would like for you to answer the okay, question. Okay, it's very simple to answer. That's why I asked it. It's very simple to You're a nasty person, I'll tell you. <laughs> You, I mean, it's just amazing that CNN put her in this position. I know. Like, when you know the crowd is friendly to Trump. I know. Like, you know. And it's funny because the incentives here, right, they want to make Caitlin Collins into a, a star. They put her in the mornings, right? They mm -hmm. want to make her, their, there's, the rumor is that she's going to be the Don Lemon replacement. Yeah. Um, so they want to make her into a big star. They want to get the ratings. They win on that front. They want to get, uh, at some level, they want to get, uh, you know, Trump. I think they like having Trump in, in this conversation because they benefit off of it. Yeah. So they like this. You know, it's funny, Caitlin Collins is such a weird, you know, uh, story. I mean, she, you know, if you remember, of course, Tucker Carlson now is talking about going to Twitter and all this stuff. Before all this, he started his own media company called The Daily Caller, and one of his first hires was Caitlin Collins. Like, so she came from there. Like, she's, so she doesn't have this hardcore liberal background, but you can tell she just does not like Trump. And, you know, her environment is what it is. It's CNN. And so whatever friendliness she may have had to conservatism at one point, or at least understanding of it, because mm -hmm. I don't need my reporters to be outwardly conservative. What I would like them to do is at least understand mm -hmm. where Republicans and conservatives are coming from. And, she and not should, hate us? And not hate us, okay. despise us every way. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that she still has that in her, but she did at one point. Yeah. Um, so look, I, I think it was a tough spot for her. I, I, I would not want to be in that spot, but you know, this is Trump's game. It's his. This is where he likes to play. He's playing to the crowd. He's engaging with the crowd. Everything Trump does well is right here in the middle of this event. And then poor Caitlin Collins is sticking there. And I don't think anybody feels bad for her. But like, this is a tough role for her at this point. So I want to. We got to take a, a quick break. But I want to. When we come back, I want to talk about the blowback that CNN was receiving, and perhaps not. 
from who you would expect. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Freedom Project Academy. So uh, leftist propaganda, endless pronouns, critical race theory, sexually explicit books accessible to minors and more. You know, if you watch this program, our public education system is a mess. In fact, it's so bad. Colleges have been dumbing down their courses for years to accommodate the average incoming freshman who can barely read and write at a seventh grade level. That is why you need to talk to Freedom Project Academy. They have perfected online learning. They offer live, on-demand, and homeschool courses for kindergarten through 12th grade. And they were built on Judeo-Christian values and classical curriculum. So they're going to teach your children how to think, not what to think. You can save 10% on tuition when you enroll today over at freedomforschool.com. Go there. Get their information packet, and please, please check them out because public schools are going to screw up your kids. I'm just going to tell you. All right. Freedom Project Academy can help it help you so that that doesn't happen to your children. Just go to freedomforschool.com. That is freedomforschool.com. So I want to play one more clip here before we get to the reaction from this town hall. Um, And this was, of course, this debate or this town hall came at a time. It was a weird time for Trump because he just was found liable by the uh, jury in in New York for this civil case with E. Jean Carroll, who we've we've played her clips on the program, doesn't seem like a mentally stable woman. Um, And he, of course, was asked about this recent uh, this recent jury finding, and again, he went full Trump on the answer. Watch. Speaking of New York, I want to ask you about a significant verdict that was reached yesterday. I know this is something you want to weigh in on as well. Manhattan jury found that sure. you sexually abused the writer E. Jean Carroll and defamed her. You've denied this, but what do you say to voters who say it disqualifies you from being president? Well, there aren't too many of them because my poll numbers just came out. They went up. <laughs> okay. I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm the only person in history who had a charge like that. And the, usually you, you leave office, you say, I'm sorry, but I'm going to back home. I'm back home to my family and everything. I'm going to be resigned. My poll numbers went up and they went up with the other fake charge, too, because what's happening is they're doing this for election interference. This woman, I don't know her. I never met her. I have no idea who she is. I had a picture taken years ago with her and her husband, nice guy, John Johnson. He was a newscaster, a very nice man. She called him an ape, happens to be African-American, called him an ape. The judge wouldn't allow us to put that in. Her dog or her cat was named Vagina. The judge wouldn't allow it to put that in. All of these things. He, but with her, they can put in anything. I've literally watched that clip no less than 20 times. Yeah. And I laugh every time he says it. It's just so... Part of, I think, I think, you guys tell me, I think the average <laughs> Republican, part of the Trump charm are the moments like that where he just has seemingly no filter. He just, he just yeah. goes and he doesn't know when to stop and he doesn't care when to stop. He just says it. <laughs> and he says it in such a, he says that word with <laughs> such a weird so weird. I love it. It's like, it's almost like vagina. another person talking. Like he's like, you know, well, the dog or the cat is a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really you you really like lays into that word and and look we weren't there at Bergdorf Goodman we don't know what the heck happened I see in my belief like it's just nuts the whole trial was just nuts but like this doesn't prove anything about the the case other than the fact that she's obviously insane if she right. named her cat that right like 
Like, no sane person would do this, right? No one would name their cat Vagina. I hope that his presidential (laughs) library just has clips, these types of clips, just a wall of clips. A, a, uh, a non-family friendly section of the Trump <laughs> library. He's <laughs> walking in and he's just saying all sorts of very strange things. Um, so the Democrats <laughs> were very, very mad that CNN dared platform this election denier, racist, homophobic, all the phobics, whatever, everything else they call him. And I want to go through a little bit of that blowback. So Democratic strategist Jack Cocharella, uh, he says he's literally never going to tune in to CNN ever again. He tweeted out, I am disgusted by CNN. CNN spit in the face of journalism tonight. CNN spit in the face of democracy tonight. I think we have that tweet. I will never watch CNN again and neither should you. Wow, that is quite dramatic. Uh, AOC was also very mad. She said, CNN should be ashamed of themselves. They have lost total control of this town hall to again be manipulated into platforming election disinformation, defenses of January 6th, and a public attack on a sexual abuse victim. The audience is cheering him on and laughing at the host. This falls squarely on CNN. Everyone here saw exactly what was going to happen. Instead, they put a sexual abuse victim in harm's way for views. This was a choice to platform lies about the election in January 6th with no plan but to have their moderator interrupted without comment. Consequence. <laughs> I, I imagine her saying it exactly like <laughs> you did. You know, these people cannot have their worldview challenged. Mm-hmm. It's so obvious and it's scary because that's mm-hmm. half the country. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy debating people with different ideas. Yeah. The left in this country has lost their mind. Yeah. And this is a great example. CNN went out on a limb. So did Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, they, mm-hmm. they took a jump together to see where it go. And like for them to be attacking CNN in this way, it's, and it's a former president running for the presidency again. Right. Like this should be okay to have discussions on national TV, but it's not. Not for them. Isn't it so interesting that the same people who I fight on the daily who will say that you can't stop drag queens from performing sexually in front of children because it, that's freedom of speech. You can't, you can't take away their speech. You can't censor them. You're, you're censoring them, and that's not fair. Are the exact same people who were like, never allow Donald Trump to speak in public ever again. Fascinating. It's yeah. almost as if they haven't thought this one out all that hmm. well. Look, any presidential candidate, I don't care what they're saying. I mean, I, I, you know, I can understand you want some controls on social media like to make the experience better for the users. There's certainly some limits there. You might want to limit porn, for example. But like any person who's running for president should have absolutely no filter at all on these things. If they are saying the N-word every other day, I want to know that's how they are, right? I want to know that about them. I want to know they're a horrible person. We need to be exposed to our, our, our leaders. You know, you'd think that they would want to hear from Donald Trump. If he's saying all these terrible things and it's going to hurt him in the election, you'd think they'd want him out there, but they don't. They want the opposite. And I think the reaction really shows one thing. Who won the night? Mm-hmm. They would not be saying it was a disgrace if Donald Trump was destroyed on live television. They would love every second of it. Yep. The opposite happened, so they're reacting like psychopaths. <laughs> uh, you couldn't have said it better myself. Vagina! <laughs> <laughs> it will never not be funny.
you know what I mean? Um, all right. That's, I'm 12 years old. Uh, we got to take another quick break. But we first want to tell you about uh, Pure Health's liver health formula. So, um, look, the thing is, is like your liver is actually turns out really important to your body because it's uh, detoxifying your body. It's eliminating these toxins that we're throwing at them, which is like fast food and, you know, the chemicals and the food additives, all my cigarettes, all of Stu's favorite all things. All my favorite things. I actually, I'm going to buy you some liver health formula. Yeah, I have some. I feel I, like you need it. Yeah. I need it because I drink tequila mm-hmm. and whiskey mm-hmm. and all other things yeah. and wine. <laughs> yeah. And you have, a, you have a drinking problem, them. don't you? Yeah, that's, that, that's what you're telling us. <laughs> you're 12 years old with a drinking problem. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. bad combination. That is a bad combination. Uh, but liver health formula is there to recharge your liver. So many Americans don't realize they have a fatty liver and maybe, you know, your metabolism is sluggish and you don't, you feel tired all the time. You've got to try liver health formula. It's all natural. It's got 12 clinically proven botanicals that will help recharge and protect your liver at the cellular level. You can go to getliverhelp.com news. You're going to get five free gifts when you order today. I'm telling you, your liver helps you. It's time for you to help your liver. You can go to getliverhelp.com slash news. All right. um, I had a video clip that we were going to play here, but I don't want to waste any time because we only got a couple minutes. So I want to get your thoughts on uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who, of course, is running in the Republican uh, primaries. He is apparently announcing that if elected, he would seek to amend the Constitution by raising the voting age to 25 years old. Want to get your thoughts on that? Uh, Not high enough. Uh, I think it should be 35. If you can't be president, you should be able to vote for president. Uh, I mean, that's just a also, guideline. Own, also own property. Yeah, I know. Let's so, go back to the old way. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know that Vivek will, I don't think he's going to win the nomination. I like Vivek, but I don't think he's going to win the nomination. But uh, it is something, at its fundamental core, that is something we should actually think about mm-hmm. because of the fact that what we're having now is the Democratic Party targeting younger and younger people. They want to, they want to, they agree with this concept. They just want to make it younger. They want to grow to 16. What they want are people with no life experience and no information to be able to vote because they win by luring in voters who are on the fringes, who don't follow these issues every day. And, you know, look, the democratic idea might sound good to someone who listens to 15 seconds of politics per year and casts their vote. They want more and more of those people. It would be nice, I think, if we had people who were able to Take some time. Learn. I always say this. Learn, then vote. The order is important. You can't vote, then learn. What we're doing now is vote and never learning. That's really bad, too. But if you're going to vote, you should learn first and understand these issues. And that comes with life experience. Look, it wouldn't be bad to have it higher. I doubt it's going to occur in this country. But, hey, shoot for the stars. Yeah, I mean, I I do think it's an interesting concept to bring to the table because I do agree with him. Uh, I don't want a bunch of... 18-year-olds who have know nothing about the world going out and, and voting. I don't trust their concept of what real life is like. It's a great national debate. And the, the details are interesting because if this were to pass, you could be 18 and still vote if you take a civics test mm. and you pass by understanding mm. our constitutional structure. Yeah, I love that. You can also vote if you're in the military at 18. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can also vote if you do some other sort of qualified public service. So if you're actually showing that you understand how this country works and that you're an educated voter and you're 18, 19, 20, yeah. under this constitutional amendment, you'd still be able to vote. Yeah. An 18-year-old who had no interest and would just be listening to those democratic liberal talking points would not be able to vote. So, you know, with the exceptions, with these specific details, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, it's never going to happen. No. (laughs) But 
Hey, you know, I, I've said a million times I didn't think Roe versus Wade would ever get overturned. That's so, fair. hey, you never know. You never know. 30, 40 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might yeah, take right. a while. So in 50 years, maybe we'll amend the uh, voting age here. All right, we, uh, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. so much to Stu and Rick for being here today. It was a lot of fun going through that Donald Trump madness. I want to play for you Joe Biden with just another really weird, cringy moment. Watch. We lived in a three-bedroom split-level home in a housing development that got, it was a nice area. That was when they were developing suburbia with four kids and a grandpa living with us. I, I look back on it and wonder how thin those walls were for my mom and dad, but at any rate, what? How thin the... What? Guys, he needs help. Somebody get him some help, please. God, that's cringy. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.